Well, good morning. We're going to have to start all over again. Good morning. Much better. There we go. Some of you people just woke up, I think. My name is Pastor Michael, and uh, what a delight it is to be able to open God's Word together today as a family of, uh, of believers. This morning we continue our series entitled Abide. We are studying our way through the, the next few weeks through John 15. Last week we talked about what does it look like for there to be a greater faithfulness and fruitfulness experienced on a daily basis in our lives as believers. And this morning I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to John 15. And we're going to read 9 through 17, but we're going to focus this morning on, only on verses 9 through 11. Well, this morning we are going to consider how Jesus' love causes us to lean in in a greater way toward, uh, toward God and our relationship with God and how as a result of that there is greater joy and more obedience produced in our life. At the end of the day, I really hope that you and I would walk from this place with a greater understanding of the joy that should mark the Christian life, and indeed that we would walk in that this particular week. Well, when I read through a passage like the one that is before us this morning, I find myself delighted on one hand. As you're going to hear it in a moment, it's going to speak of God's love for us. It's going to speak of us experiencing great joy. It speaks of answered prayers. It speaks of the lost being saved. Yet, on the other hand, I find myself a bit disheartened. I, I fall short of what seems to be a call to perfect obedience in this passage. I fall short of self-sacrificial love. At times, I know for sure I fall short of experiencing the fullness of the joy that I am to have in Christ. Other times, I think I fail to verbalize the good news to those who are without Christ. And other times, I fail to deeply pray as I ought to. It leaves me wondering about my faith. Not, not am I a true believer, am I a, a true, genuine child of God. Not, does God genuinely love me, for that I am certain, because the Word of God says so. But, it leaves me wondering, am I disappointing God in my walk with Him in some way? Most of us don't like disappointing other people. Would you agree with that? We like to... We like to to, to meet other people's needs. We like to encourage them. We like to, to step up to bat when needed. We don't like disappointing other people. It's the look that we receive when we disappoint. It's the correction that sometimes comes our way when we disappoint. It's the, the gap in the relationship that we experience, even if it's for just a brief moment. All of those things create in us a desire not to find ourselves disappointing others. I remember as a child not wanting to disappoint my parents. I vividly recall Sunday mornings growing up in our church, little church there in Fairburn, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. My mom sang in the choir. Beautiful voice. I loved seeing her in the choir on Sunday mornings. All the elementary school kids in our church, we, we sat right down front. The first two or three rows, that's where we sat. Kids, feel free, all right? And that's where we sat on Sunday mornings. And, and every once in a while, 
rarely, almost never, of course, we would be slightly disruptive. A little fidgeting, passing of notes. Every once in a while, a little uh, finger poke in your best friend's ribs to see if you could get them to laugh or cause a loud noise. Don't get any ideas, kids. But then it would come. My mom's look. Right from the choir loft. You can imagine it, right? She's about right here. And all she had to do was look. You know what I'm talking about, right? That look. A little bit of a tilt of the head. A little bit of sadness in the eyes. And a little frown on the lips. And I got to tell you, when that happened, I didn't like it too much. I thought that as a teenager, moving to the balcony would certainly be out of the purview of the look. There's no way the look could travel all the way to the back of the auditorium and to the back of the balcony. It just couldn't make it that far, right? Oh, how mistaken I was. It honestly was rare, but when it did come, i got to be honest, guys, it was gut-wrenching. I would have rather taken a spanking, a hard spanking, over the look of my mom's face when I brought disappointment because I didn't do what I ought to be doing. I think that explains how many of us feel today when we know we have fallen short of perfect obedience, when we know that we have not sacrificially loved others, when we have failed to deeply pray, or when we have ultimately failed to to love God and to live for God in our whole life. We somehow think maybe God's love for us has lessened or maybe I have disappointed my Lord too much. Maybe I'm beyond God's use because of my life choices in the moment. Listen, our passage has a distinct word this morning about the nature of the Savior's love for us. It contains a strong reminder of the extremes to which Jesus went to display that unfathomable love of which we've sang this morning. It contains a a demand on our life as well that we ought to often rehearse. That is, a call to a life of obedience, a life of joy, a life of marked by genuine love for God and others. Yeah, all that's contained in those few verses. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you have not already, and turn to John 15. Once you've found it, I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We do that here at First Southern as a way of acknowledging God is King, and His Word has absolute authority in our lives. Again, I will read 9 through 17, but we will focus this morning on 9 through 11. Listen to this. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide. In my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life. For his friends, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants or slaves. 
But the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command to you so that you will love one another. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we pause now and we ask that your spirit would take your word and speak to our hearts. God, we know that we fall short in our knowledge of your love. God, we know that we fall short in obeying your word. And Father, we know that we do not often experience the fullness of joy that is in you and that you desire to be in us. So Father, today, through your spirit and word, teach us, we ask. Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning, I want us to begin where Jesus begins. We need to hear about the nature of Christ's love for us. Look specifically with me at verse 9. And listen, there's so much in these few words. He says this, As, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Here, Jesus explains more fully his love for us. We find that his love for the disciples is squarely rooted in the Father's love for him. Think about that. As the Father has loved me, how has the Heavenly Father loved the Son? Has his love for the Son ever changed? Has his Love for the Son ever wavered one moment, one nanosecond ever in all of eternity? We know the answer is no. It's a consistent love for the Son. It's a constant love for the Son. We know God to be triune, trinitarian, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, three in one. We know God as Father, Son, Spirit. There is no separation. There's a quality in essence. A quality in attributes. A quality in love for one another. My goodness. As the Father has loved me. This is Jesus Christ. The second person of the Trinity speaking of the Heavenly Father as the Father has Infinitely, always, constantly, consistently, never wavering, wavering, not for one iota, not for one second. That kind of love that I have experienced, Jesus says. It is with that kind of constant love that never wavers. As we'll see, I have loved you, Jesus says. It's a constant love of the Father for the Son. I said a moment ago that I have never liked disappointing my parents. As I've gotten older, I've, uh, I've analyzed the why behind that. Was it fear that um, they would not approve of me? No. What, was, it, was, it, um, was it that their love was somehow conditional towards my obedience? 
No. Was it that I wanted to, 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 to come off as better than my four older siblings and my youngest sister? Well, maybe. But truly, what was it? What, what is it to this day that causes me not to want to disappoint my parents? I've run memory after memory through my mind this week, particularly as I thought about my life with my dad. Those moments when he could have rightly come hard at me about something. Yet, he was firm, but restrained in the confrontation. I I thought this week about those conversations that I had with my dad that were deeply personal and private. Ones that I had with no one else ever. He always had words of wisdom encased in love. The phone call that Sunday morning. It, it, it was about how a whole row of fence posts had just jumped right out in front of the, the, the brand new Jeep Cherokee that I had borrowed from him for a college retreat trip. They just jumped right. It was weird. They got a, really, they did. That phone call was received with patience and primary concern for me and my friends. The concern on the phone was not about the fender or the bumper or the headlights or the grill or the wheel well or the right front tire rim or all those other pieces and parts that lay on the side by the pecan orchard and the row of fence posts. The conversation in his office on that Friday afternoon after all the work crews had gone home. As I, as a 19-year-old, sat across the desk from my dad and, and I explained to him how I was not intending to continue his company down the road when he retired. I wasn't going to continue his work. That God had a different plan. I wasn't sure what it was but fully, but I knew that God was redirecting my life. In that moment, I learned what it meant to have a father who loved me fully, who loved me absolutely, who loved me unconditionally. As I've thought about all of those vignettes and many more this week, I realized why I never wanted to disappoint my parents. It is because of the nature of their love for me. If I could use only one word to describe their love for their son, Unmistakably, that word is constant. Constant love. And I think that if Jesus had only one word to describe his Father's love for him, it too would be constant. This morning we hear the words that the disciples heard Jesus saying that night. I have loved you in the same way that the Father has loved me. I have loved you in the same way. Jesus' love, church, listen, it is so certain. Jesus' love for His children is so complete. It is so, one word, constant. Remember the cross. In this story, remember we're asking us to, to, as a church body over this month, to read John 13 through 17. Every day, every week, work your way through those passages. 
And, and it's the journey from the upper room to the, to the garden to the arrest. And then to the cross. And so the conversation that we are dipping into this morning is only hours. Only hours before Christ's crucifixion on the cross. So He says to His disciples, I have loved you. <laughs> yeah, I've loved you in our last three years of life together. You, you remember when I called you in from the boats and, and I told you, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I, I've loved you at that point for sure. I knew where you were and I went and sought you out. And I had already loved you and I found you and I called you to me. You remember those times when you pushed back? I loved you then. You remember those times when you did not think I knew what I was doing? I loved you then. You remember that time, Peter, when you rebuked me? I loved you then. But there's more to it. He says, I have loved you. The cross is a matter of hours away. And when he says, I have loved you, there is inherent there that the work of the cross is already in sight, and it's as if it is already complete. He's already prophesied. He's already made clear in the Gospel of John that he's going to the cross. Listen to me. God's love for us did not begin the day that we were born. God's love for us did not begin the day that we expressed faith in Christ. Matter of fact, Paul makes clear that God's foreknowledge of us, His choosing of us, as it even says here in this passage, that God, Jesus says, I chose you and I appointed you. In the midst of all of that, in eternity past, what it means for God to have foreknowledge is this, very clear in Scripture, it means that God in eternity past, before anything ever was, He, the Son, the Spirit, He put His covenantal love on you. We are recipients of God's love from eternity past if we're His children. Amen? I love that. There's never been a moment in all of eternity that God has not loved His children. Amen? Ever. Think about that. If you know Christ as Savior, He's never not loved you. Ever. Ever. Y'all aren't astounded by that, I can see. I am. It draws me to Him. I want to know that love, that love that began in eternity past that always has been. I want to know it richly in my life. If you have ever doubted Jesus' love for you, and likely you have, because of the sin in your life, the disruptions in your life, the choices of your life, the seeming distance, if you've ever doubted Christ's love for you, you only need to look toward the cross to reassure yourself of His infinite, eternal love for you as His child. Paul sums up Christ's love well for us in Romans 8. Listen to verse 35 through 38. 
He writes, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So what are we to take away from this? At least these two phrases out of verse 9. First, the Father's love for the Son is constant and eternal. Second, the Son's love for us is rooted in the Father's love for Him. Oh, and you know what that means. Number three, when we, we can have total confidence that Jesus' love for us is therefore both constant and eternal. Christ's love for us is rooted in the Father's love for the Son, constant and eternal. Well, Jesus goes on in that verse to say, abide in my love. As the Father's loved me, so I loved you, so I have loved you. Remain, abide, live, experience my love. He further clarifies what it means to abide or remain. Look in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus tells His followers to remain, to abide, continue in His love. If we're not careful, it sounds a little bit like we earn our way into that relationship. It's all up to us to remain, to abide, to stay in that relationship. But, but we read enough of the Gospel of John, we have confidence. No, it is Christ who puts us there. It is Christ who keeps us rightly in that relationship. It is Christ that does not permit anyone or anything to snatch us out of His Hands. Why? His love is constant and it is an eternal love put upon us. But, he does make clear here. If we continue to experience his love, if we want to continue to experience his love with full joy, we must do exactly what Jesus has done. We must remain obedient to the Father. That's what he says. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in me just as what? I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in His love. Jesus' obedience to the Father is central to our understanding of who He is the way, in, in terms of the way that John portrays Him in his gospel. Multiple times throughout the gospel of John, we find Jesus described as keeping the commandments, the directives, fulfilling the will of the Father. 
We only have to look into John 4, John 5, John 6, John 8, John 10, John 12, and John 14 to find those kinds of statements. Let's just pick two of those. John 6, verse 38. Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but of him who sent me. I've come to do the will of the Father. That's what my life on earth is about. It's what my mission is about. I've come to do what the Father has commanded me and asked of me. John 8, verse 29. And he who sent me, Jesus says, is with me. He has not. The Father has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Christ did that which was the will of the Father. Christ did that which was the command of the Father. Christ did that which was pleasing to the Father. And so He says to us, if you keep My commandments, you'll abide in My love. You're going to be able to fully experience My love in a way that I have designed it to be experienced. Come, keep, keep My commands just as I have been loved by the Father and just as I have kept His commands and experienced His love fully. You, come, experience this with Me. That's what He's calling us to this morning. I love John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. You know, I actually, a little confession here. I, every time I read that verse, really up until this week, I've always read it, if, if, if you love me, you'll, then you'll keep my commands. Like, here's the proving ground, and, and certainly it is. But this week, the Lord has flipped that for me a bit. As you love me, as you experience my love, you'll keep my commandments. Listen, the reason I was probably the weird kid in terms of obeying my parents is because of the love that I experienced from them. I wanted honestly to do nothing less. I'm not saying I was a perfect kid. I was, and I made some wrong choices along the way. But the desire of my heart was to obey my parents. Why? Because of the rich love that they had lavished on me. I didn't want to do anything, y'all, anything that would disappoint them. I didn't want to do anything that would somehow push back my understanding of their love for me. Jesus says, if you love me, as you love me, as you experience my love, listen, as as we become more intimate in our walk together, listen, you will find yourself living a lifestyle of obedience. That's what God's love does. It, It woos us into obedience with Him. He commands it for sure. Oh, but listen, the greatest form of obedience is obedience born out of a love response to God. We can obey God because we fear God. We can obey God because we hope for reward. That's all legitimate in the Scriptures. It's even legitimate as parents, right? Obey me or else. (laughs) Obey me and then. But at the heart of it, there's not a parent in this room or a grandparent in this room that would not desire children's obedience 
born out of a love response. Would you agree? And that's the kind of obedience that the Father is most pleased with. Obedience born out of love for Him. Now, please don't fret. You're likely thinking what I'm thinking. You mean, if I fail to perfectly obey, then Jesus does not and will not truly love me? (laughs) I don't think that's what it shows at all. Verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I have remained, abided, experienced His love. What verse 10 shows for us and points to is the perfect standard of Jesus Christ in His perfect obedience and love for the Father. There's not a one of us that meets that perfect standard. Not this side of heaven. That's why we have confession every week right in the middle of our worship service. It's because we acknowledge our relationship with the Father, but we acknowledge our own sinfulness and our own willful choices to disobey and walk outside the lines. None of us have perfect obedience. But as we look at ourselves... We find ourselves not perfectly obedient, nor do we find ourselves apostates out of the faith. So there's something in between. There's something that's different. And here it is. We have relationship with the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. It is a permanent, eternal relationship. It is a constant love embedded with forgiveness and grace and mercy. Every morning, God's mercies are brand new for us. And His grace, whatever is happening, His grace is more than sufficient. But He does call us, unapologetically, church, to a lifestyle of obedience, a way of living that complies with His Word. He knows that if we will live in obedience to Him, we will be lavished in even a greater way. We will experience more richly, I guess is the way to say that, His love and He knows that His joy will be fully in us. And we will experience the joy of our salvation in Jesus Christ just the way He wants us to live. When I read verse 10, I'm reminded of the union between the Father and the Son. And I'm to look to that. I'm to look to that relationship. And I'm to seek to love Christ the way He loves the Father. And we are to seek obedience in the way that the Son, Jesus, obeys the Father. We also hear in this call to an obedient lifestyle a promise. This is the promise. My joy, I'm telling you all this, so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. Do you remember those times in your walk with Christ? Oh my goodness, it just, your joy just bubbled over. It's like you could just reach out and touch Jesus. I mean, it seemed like he was that close to you. There was happiness in your heart. And sometimes those moments of joy didn't occur when everything was perfect and great. Actually, sometimes those moments of joy have come in the midst of the deepest sorrows and the greatest hurts and pains of suffering. Right? But it's that experience of joy that Jesus wants us to have in our walk with Him. He's already told us earlier in this passage, 
He's spoken here of his love. He's spoken here of his joy. Earlier he's spoken of his peace in John 14 that he gives to us. Peace, love, joy. He wants our lives to be marked by that. What robs us? What robs us of that joy, church? Ourselves. At the core of it, it's self-determination. At the core of it, it's our own self-will. At the core of it, it's our own self-idolatry. At the core of it, it's our sin. Christ says this, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Jesus was clear. He knew the human heart. He knows the human heart. And he knows that what keeps us from experiencing the richness of his love and the joy of relationship is our own sinful self. You've heard this before, but sin takes you where you do not want to go and it keeps you there longer than you want to be. And every one of us have experienced that. Our temperament, our choices, our attitudes, our, our, our dispositions, our actions... For a moment, sin seems pleasurable at times. But it's always, church, always, hear me, it's always for a moment. And then it fleets and it's gone. And what are we left with? We're left with a sense, not of broken relationship, but broken fellowship with our Savior. We're we're left with a sense of joylessness in our walk with Christ. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Live, experience, abide, remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments, and I abide in His love. All these things I've shared with you because I want you to have the joy that I have. And I want that joy in you to be full and overflowing. Hear me. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, this passage we read this morning squarely points toward the gospel. He says later in these verses, he says, listen, he says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for a friend. As we'll talk about next week, it's only a matter of hours before the great shepherd. The very one whom John introduces in John chapter 1 as the Lamb of God, who's come to take away the sins of the world, is then slaughtered and shows himself to be not only the Lamb, but the chief shepherd who loves. The suffering righteous shepherd gives his life on the cross, lays down his life, for those whom He has chosen and appointed to go and bear fruit. If you're here this morning and you don't know for sure Jesus Christ is your Savior, hear me say this. God loves you. God sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, that while you were yet a sinner, Christ came and died for you. 
that you would have relationship with the Father, that you would be able to experience the love of the Son in a rich way, and that your life would be overflowing with joy on a daily basis. Cry out to Christ this morning. I'm begging you. Again, if you've been in this church for 40 years or four weeks, and you don't know Christ, the Bible says as long as today is called today, it is the day of your salvation. Paul says, listen, if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Come. Unbeliever, come this morning. Come and experience the love of God through Christ Jesus. Fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, come. Experience the love of the Father through the Son. Experience the joy of being in obedient relationship with the Son. Our Christian life, our Christian life is indeed to be marked with joy that results from an obedience that is cultivated and called out in us because of the love we've experienced from God. Christ's love causes us to lean in to that relationship, depend more, walk more obediently. And indeed, as I've said multiple times this morning, the result is joy. Joy. Come, believer. Live a life of joy in Christ.